Welcome to this episode of Life in the Din. I'm your host, Daniel Buckwalter, and last week we had a great episode where I interviewed Hal Perkins. If you haven't checked that out, you 100% should go give it a look. It is worth listening to. But something we talked about were these different levels of discipleship and walking alongside people and doing life with them. So this week, I thought we would dig into that concept a little more and talk about what does it look like to live in a Christian community. But what is Christian community? On a surface level, that seems like a really easy question to answer. But I feel like if we asked a bunch of different people that we would get varying answers with different nuances and different points of emphasis. But I think, if we're being honest, the things that we probably most commonly hear is that a Christian community is a group of people who share a common belief in Jesus and follow his teachings, or at least talk about it. And that they usually have some kind of unity and some kind of leadership and a Christian community might gather in a church or it could also be online. And that they probably do things like pray or have worship services or Bible studies together. And maybe every once in a while when they feel like they need to, they go do something for the people in the world through some kind of outreach. And that's usually what a church or a Christian community in our culture would be defined as. But today, I want to challenge us to go a little bit deeper, and I want to push you on what Christian community actually looks like. I want to impress on you that there might be something more to it than we've previously thought was there, and that somewhere along this journey of the Western church developing and growing and shifting and changing, that we lost the art of being in real, authentic Christian community. So how do we get that kind of community back? What do we need to do? Well, I'm going to suggest that it requires us to go back to the beginning. To look and chase after reclaiming the power of the early church. And so what better place to start if we're seeking to be like the early church than in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 2 verse 42 through 47 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the good will of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who are being saved. This is a passage that is commonly preached over. I feel like I've heard it talked about so many different times in my life, but it's so powerful. So we start to look at this passage, and what we see is that this young church is riding the wave that came from Pentecost, that Peter had preached the sermon, and that Thousands of people had come to know Jesus, and then they had all these people that they had to put and figure out how they were going to do life together. And see, we see this young church with all these new converts, and the first thing they are called to do is step into a new way of life. And as we read this passage, what we see is that this new way of life was one that called them to give their finances, to give their time, to give their dinner hours, to let go of their 
opinions and become one mind and one heart. So how do we start to reclaim authentic community? I think it comes with a few simple truths that we have to understand. The first one is that being acquaintances is not enough. I have been in the church now for over a decade, and I know for some of you listening that when I say that you're like, well, a decade, that's nothing. I got four or five of those on you. But something that I have seen that is so true is that our churches are so often full of acquaintances, of people who barely know each other, or we have some very loose friends, people that we we enjoy going out to eat with every once in a while, the people we'll hang out with at the church potluck. And even then, maybe sometimes you find people who are like family. But even then, I want to stop and pause and say, I don't think the Western concept of family is enough. That what we're really going to be talking about is how do we return to authentic Christian community? And what I've really just set up is that a, a dichotomy that's saying the relationships we have today in general cannot even compare to the kind of relationship in life we're called to live when we're in community with other believers of Jesus. Now, this is a little cheesy, but I think it's true. Community requires learning to focus on the we and not the me. Now, I know, come on, that's a terrible line, and I'll admit it, but what is separating us from having a community like our first brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, when we look at verse 44, it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. That is hard. They had the way they thought in common. They had their finances in common. They had their time in common. They were they were giving everything to the people around them. And I think if a lot of us confess this, in our churches today, we do not have everything in common. We don't have belief in common. We don't share our finances. I mean, maybe some of us tithe, but we really aren't doing any kind of radical sharing or, or helping of one another often. And more often than not, we are clicked up and not one community. And I've said this a million times as a pastor, but this might be the first time I've talked about it on the podcast. The hallmark of Western culture is this rugged individualism that has dominated our culture, separating us from each other and destroying authentic community. We are sucked in and so focused on the me, myself, and I. So focused on discovering my calling and my future and accomplishing my dream that we've started to miss God's dream and vision. So focused on discovering God's calling for our own lives that we miss that his calling is not an individual calling, but a community one. Let me just say that again. The calling of God and the life of the people of God is not an individual calling. It's a communal one. So often in the West, we've, we've really have just made it about the individual. When we talk about salvation, we say, well, Christ died for me. I have been redeemed. But when we look at scripture, what we see is that God doesn't work with people. He works with communities. That God doesn't work with people. He works with generations. That the promises of God and the covenants of God are not to one person, but they're often to the whole world or to a whole culture or to a whole people group. So the promise of God is not that he's died for you, it's that he's died for us. The calling of God is not on the individual, but it's on the community. But we have been so trapped in a lie. 
so trapped and deceived by the enemy and to thinking that we only need to focus on ourselves, that taking care of ourselves first is the most important thing. John Montcomer says the devil's primary stratagem to drive the soul and society into ruin is deceptive ideas that play to disorder desires, which are normalized in a sinful society. And slowly but surely, we have been deceived as a community and as a people to start focusing only on ourselves and only on our families and only on our needs and on our callings and on our wants. One of the craziest examples I always think of when I start talking about this is the way the housing situation works in the West. It wasn't until the end of the 19th century that we started to see this idea of the American dream where you had to have your own house. Because families lived together, and they took care of each other, and they supported each other. And when a kid had, you know, a kid if someone had a child, the grandparents were there, and they lived with them, and they just helped and took care of them and, and patterned them. But if we were to look at each other now and say, hey, come live with me, that would sound crazy. Because we've been separated from our families, and with globalization, we now have families scattered all over the country, so support systems are gone, and we have been patterned and taught to want our own space. We've been patterned and taught to say, I have to have all of this for myself, and we've been culturally shifted and indoctrinated into believing that we are individuals that are separated from everything else. And I truly believe, and this might make some people mad, that the devil has deceived us into thinking that we are meant to be by ourselves. But when we look at scripture, going all the way back to Genesis, and we look at Adam when he was by himself, what did God say? That he was not yet complete. God created us to live in community. And on this podcast, we always talk about how our goal is to be disciples of Jesus. And we've talked about how to be a disciple is to be just like the teacher. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I read scripture, aside from when Jesus is going alone to be with God and to fast and pray, and sometimes we see that in scripture where he goes off by himself, Jesus was living his life radically with other people. He had the 12 apostles who walked with him all the time and spent so much time with him. And then you also, though, see all these other people who followed him. Jesus was doing life with a small group of people where they were eating together, praying together, doing ministry together, breaking bread together, sharing finances together. And they were going on this crazy journey that we read all about through the four gospels. And so if we look at our life and say our goal is to be like Jesus and Jesus lived in Christian community with his disciples where they kept each other accountable and grew in their faith and relationship with God, then I think the only real solution that we should be able to come to is that if my goal is to be like Jesus, then I need to go be like Jesus. We have to look in the mirror and see that this level of individuality that we're living into is not conducive with the teachings of the gospel. I think the thing that most separates us from walking and talking and living and embracing this kind of community that we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, is that we really just can't let go of our individuality. We look at the church, and at least in the culture in Oklahoma City, is that people just constantly hop churches. That you stay there until your pastor upsets you, or you stay there 
until the pastor or the community won't give you exactly what you want or until they make a decision that you don't really agree with. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go find something new. And really what that's rooted in, though, is this individuality where it says it's all about me. And even farther on that, when we look at the teachings of Jesus and of Paul and the apostles, what we see is this imagery that we are called to pick up our cross and crucify our flesh daily. But what we've been taught is that our individual fleshly desires are what we need. And so we're not willing to give up our time for the good of other people. We're not willing to let go of things that we really want to do so that other people can benefit. One of the hardest things I've had to do in my attempt to do this is my church, you know, we we have prayer nights on Tuesday nights, and then there's another important night that I go to that's not led by my church, that's a prayer night on Thursday nights, and both of those nights are rugby nights. And anyone who knows me knows that I love rugby, that I will go through phases of my life where it is the only thing that I talk about, it's the only thing I care about, and I love to play it. I love to go out and run with the guys and pass the ball around and and hit people. I mean, I just enjoy it. It's fun for me. But something I've had to leave behind, at least in this season of life, is playing rugby because it was at a point where I could not keep my community commitments up and go pursue that hobby that I loved so much. But the fruit of prayer nights for our community and for me have been so much more than anything else I would have found running around on a field. Now, this isn't to say that you're going to need to give up every hobby, everything that you enjoy doing, move out to a commune, and not have anything of your own. Now, I think when you follow Jesus, some of those things start to sound a lot better, and I know a lot of people who've gone on this journey and have ended up in those spots. But where we start is by letting go of the small, simple things that we don't want to let go of. It's where we start maybe letting go of then Friday nights that were just for us and invite other people to come and be in our life, in our house. It's where we start to maybe see a need in the people of our church and we say, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to give you this money, not as part of, and not cut out of my tithe to the church or cut out what I usually give, but like I see your need and I'm going to come meet your need. It's where we start to look at things and think not what I want, but what our community needs. And that's deeply challenging. And it's hard. You know, a part of focusing on the we is recognizing that part of living in an authentic community is voluntarily taking responsibilities for others. The truth of the matter is community means assuming responsibility for other people. When you start to talk about maybe letting people who need a place to live, live with you, which is something that my wife and I have committed to doing recently, and that's terrifying because I'm taking responsibility for other people and I'm going to be sharing all of my space with with them. But when you start to take responsibility for other people, you have to start paying attention and not following your own will, but submitting your will and giving up the world of intimacy and power you have in the little consumeristic world that we've been indoctrinated into. You know, Dallas Willard said, says community means assuming responsibility for other people. And that means paying attention and not following your own will, but submitting your will and giving up the world of intimacy and power you have in this little consumer world that you have created. And what young people see is they are lonely and they're hurt and they don't know why they think this, but they think that community might solve that issue. 
But when they look community in the face and they realize that it means raw skin-to-skin contact with other people for whom you have become responsible, that's when they back away. To truly live into community, to truly have the kind of community that the authentic Church of Christ in Acts chapter 2 had, you have to be willing to get hurt. You have to be willing to let people see who you really are And you have to be willing to take responsibility for other people in a way that is uncomfortable. An example that captures this in the imagery in my mind is I think of marriage, which is something I talk about a lot because I've just gotten into it. You know, I'm a little bit over three months into it. So if anyone's listening and they need marriage advice, I'm clearly an expert and you should come to me. But on a real note, marriage is hard and it's messy. Because you are taking your life and you basically are just smashing it into somebody else's life and they're taking their life and they're smashing it into your life. And you two were individuals and you are coming together and your spouse's needs are now your needs. And you are called by Christ, at least as a husband, to be Christ to your wife, which means that you must love her unconditionally and do everything that she needs above what you need. And that is crazy difficult. And there are times where things don't always go smoothly or where there are misunderstandings or where something was supposed to get done, but one of us, usually me, forgot to do it. But we have set ourselves in a covenant with God and said that we will never break this covenant. We will never walk away from this covenant. We will never be dragged out of this covenant. And we've committed, no matter what happens, no matter how messy it gets, to always care for one another's needs and take care of each other. Or another example of this would be when you have a child, something I've not experienced. So mom, if you're listening, I do not have a kid yet and there's not a kid on the way, so don't worry. But when you commit to have a child, you you have this kid and let's be honest, babies don't really provide much to the family at first. Babies are there, they have needs, they cry a lot, and they have to be taken care of. Some people are sitting here listening and saying, Daniel, babies are awesome, stop it. Other people are saying, yes, Daniel, you're right, babies are wild. There's two kinds of people in the world. Those who like think babies are the best thing in the world and those who get stressed out when they think about having a kid. Emma's the one who gets excited. I'm the one who gets a little bit stressed. And children are amazing and they're, they're a blessing from God. So don't listen to me and say, well, kids are bad. No, like if you have a child, that, that's such a, such a blessing from God. And I can't wait for the day where I get to be a dad and, and have that level of, of intimacy with a child and kind of that kind of relationship. But that commitment is that you're going to take care of this child's needs. You're going to raise them up in the Lord. You're going to be there for them every step of the way when they mess up, when things go wrong, when they disobey, where they don't make decisions you like. That is your child. They are part of your family and you will walk with them. And that's the kind of community that Christians are called to have with one another. This messy community where nothing is hidden, just like in a family, where everyone knows everything about each other, where they sacrifice for each other, where they would give up anything for each other, where they take care of their needs for each other. That's the kind of life that we're called to have. So the harsh reality is that authentic community is not neat. It's not perfect and it's not controllable. It is messy and it will have kinks and flaws. It is not the system that makes it the kingdom of God. Rather, it's the commitment to not leave it. We all are sinners. So the harsh reality is that when we live in community together, people are going to make mistakes. Now, I hope your community has set its gaze and its eyes on following God with 100% of its life and that 
sin is not just welcome in that community, but that the people of God have come together and said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to cast that out. We're going to keep each other accountable. We're going to pursue Jesus. But despite all that, there will probably be times where people sin in your community. And so people will get hurt and things will get ugly sometimes. But just like marriage or having a child, it's not that the system's perfect. It's that you have made a commitment to not leave it. We all have been brought into the kingdom of God and we're called to live into heaven now. And that means we should not leave or abandon each other, but we should work with each other and walk with each other and live in community with each other, inviting each other into the kind of life where we're all of one bind, where our finances are one, where our life is one, where our time is one, and we have committed to doing life together. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm preaching a little bit today, but it's a concept that we, that we can't lose and that we can't leave. So I'm going to end today with how do we start to reclaim this? I think there's two ways. I think the first thing, and it probably sounds a little bit weird, but practice solitude and silence. And I know you're sitting down, you just told us to spend less time in our individual world alone and to embrace community, but it's really hard to live into community if you don't have solid spiritual disciplines. Because to live into Christian community and the kingdom of God, we're going to have to go through the pain and confusion of losing ourselves. We'll have to go sit in the darkness of solitude and silence to discover the light of God, discover what true Sabbath is, so that we can re-enter community. We've accepted in our world that we're broken. And Dallas looks at that and says, in our theology, we've accepted that as a normal condition. And that leaves us with nothing to help our condition. You see, brokenness manifests itself as the ability for people to do what they know to be right. And the ability to do what you know to be right is a prerequisite for true community. People struggle toward things like accountability groups and so on. But to really have peace, that one really comes, that only really comes from turning your world over to God. So the reason I say start with solitude and silence is that It's in solitude and silence that you come to -to face-to-face with the true creator, the true God, and you have to be willing to surrender your entire life to Christ, every little nook and cranny, if you really want to live in the Christian community, because Christ has to be Lord over your life. And it's only when Christ has become Lord over your life that you can go out and love people the way Christ has loved them, and that you can sacrifice all of your wants for the needs of others. And the second way, and this way is a little more understandable for the topic, it's simply just start doing it. And you can start small because the reality is everything in our life is formational as we've talked about in the podcast last week. Once again, plug it in. If you haven't listened to Hal and I talk, you should go listen to that podcast. There's so much great truth in it. But something we talked about is this idea that everything's formational. So if you've lived your life in these patterns of sin, if you've lived your life in these patterns where you are really individualistic and you have put yourself first, it is going to take time to unpattern that because your body has been taught and habituated to act a certain way. So the best way to start reprogramming your body is to just start doing it. If you have a night that's open, invite people from your Christian community to come hang out with you. Maybe it's something like, you know, it's a Friday night and you have nothing going on, so you invite your friends over to eat with you and study scripture together and and have fun together. There's different ways it looks, but really, you just have to start living in Christian community. Maybe you know someone in your community who has a need. Go unprompted and help that person's need. This is one of the great things because you don't have to be a pastor to transform your community. You can transform your community by just taking action. 
by being the light and the city on a hill. Because if you go into your community and you start doing these things, I promise you, it will be infectious. And other people will want to come a part of it. And before you know it, you will see your community that you've been struggling with thinking is dead or that you feel like might not be doing what Christ has called them to do. And despite the fact that you're not screaming it from the pulpit, you will see that community transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, Daniel, that's all great, but I just don't want to do that. What I'd say to you is that the Christian faith is full of decisions that we make to be obedient even when we don't want to do it. So I challenge you, even if you're sitting here and you're struggling with this idea, start giving up everything to Jesus and living in community. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Life in the Dim. I hope that you've enjoyed your time with me and that you've gained valuable insights and perspectives to help you in your pursuit of following Christ. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with your friends and family and give us a rating and review. Join us next week as we continue to explore and grow together in our faith. Until then, keep following Jesus, and I'll see you next time.